everyone. Welcome to Contact Lost, the Polish podcast about competitive Warhammer 40k scene, both in Poland and abroad. I'm Tweek, your host, and today I have three fantastic guests with me, uh, two of whom have never graced our podcast with their presence. So today we will be discussing a tournament that has taken place over the last weekend, about 70-man singles event, 2100 points or 2137 points to be exact in Krakow called the Krakow Arena. And with me today to talk about it, I have three people. I'll start with introducing them. Firstly, we have Eman. Oh, hello. Hi, dude. Remember to unmute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I will try to. <laughs> Great. All right. The second gentleman, uh, as I mentioned, never before a guest in our podcast, but hopefully that will change in the future. Misha. Hello, hello. All right, and then the third gentleman, uh, we had him on the podcast already. Please welcome Danny Porter. Hey, I tell you what, I am so, um, I, I love it when I hear these two just say hello. They sound so enthusiastic and <laughs> so happy to be here. It's great introductions. Yeah, when you listen to to the American podcast and so on, the people always make like a funny noise or something like that. In Poland, it's just hi <laughs> or something like that. But oh well, we have to live with this. I anyway, hello twice. I tried to be cheerful. Yeah, that's that's more than I expected. So that's fine. Um, so listen, everyone, uh, we had this tournament uh, over the weekend, uh, which was a fantastic event. I I was there as well. It was great fun, and I asked you three to join because well Eman you came in second Misha you came in third I didn't manage to invite Christian who was in the first place because he couldn't make it today and today Tuesday is the only day when I can record that this but I figured there is one more person who should be here with us the person who went as the only person as undefeated during that tournament that's why we have Danny in here so uh I wanted you guys to tell me, firstly, something about yourself, how you got into the hobby, and uh, you know what made you the players you are today. So people who come in, well, top three and top ten overall, and then we can go into your games and and see, you know, what affected your list building and how your games went. By the way, the list from this tournament are linked in the description as well as the leaderboard from Tourney Keeper. So do check them out if you're looking for inspiration. So let's start with Eman. Uh, how did you get into a hob- into the hobby? How long have you been playing? And uh, yeah, maybe you can introduce yourself. Uh, so uh, as you probably uh, know, I am a real veteran. Uh, it, it is sometimes <laughs> hard to uh, to tell uh, how long I, I have been playing this game uh, because I have started at the very end of the second edition. Uh, so it was long, long time ago, like 23 or maybe 24 years ago. <clears throat> so, so I assume there are many players that are younger than my experience of playing 40k. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I am playing uh, on tournaments uh, since the third edition, because this was actually the first edition uh, with rules that enables tournament play right because the second edition was was too complicated uh, actually I, I am a big fan of of all 
strategic and tactical games. I have started uh, playing uh, uh, wargaming uh, in Warzone and Chronopian, then moved to uh, to 40k, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, that uh, sounds like quite quite a bit of history. Um, yes. And when and when you started with 40k, what was it? I mean, because in this tournament you played tau if i'm not mistaken yes has that always been your army or have you dabbled into different armies as well definitely not definitely not uh my first love uh, is blood blood angels of course uh and i fell in love with them the first time i i saw the uh, codex angels of death uh, for the second edition Mm -hmm. it was it was beautiful piece of, uh, of of codex with beautiful artwork and, you know, a real green dark uh, attitude into it. Uh, so so Blood Angels are my, my first love. I, I have like, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20,000 points of Blood Angels uh, on my shelf. Uh, and the Tau are actually my second army. I have started the Tau uh, in fourth edition when when I got, you know, like bored with uh, always assaulting with blood angels. Yeah, it gets repetitive after a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, really cool. So, so we know your story now, Misha. How about you? Um, so, I started playing Warhammer. It was Fantasy Battles back in sixth edition. So it was around, uh, yeah, around twenty years ago uh, as well, uh, when I was twelve, I think. Uh, and uh, I played it through the Lyceum, uh, so basically until I was uh, in age, then other things got in the way, so I sort of forgot about the hobby. And really, by the end of 8th edition of Warhammer 40k, I figured, hey, I, I could paint something, but I don't want to invest too much into it, I will just buy one model, maybe, maybe two. <laughs> and uh, like a few months later, I had a 5k points of uh, Blood Angels Army, uh, and just went from there. Uh, when I started playing with my friends, uh, I started playing in a local club. Uh, I was playing with Space Marines. Uh, after Space Marines, I fell in love in Grey Knights. It's it was the the old Grey Knights, not this edition, which is which are frankly quite boring for me. But the old Grey Knights, which was uh, super dynamic, super fragile, glass cannonish, strong shooting army. Uh, uh, which the, the style that does not, the style that does not exist anymore in this in, in the new codex. Uh, from the from from Greenness, I moved on to Sisters. I really like Sisters. Uh, again, fragile, quite fast, tricky codex. Uh, but again, Sisters fell out of grace. So I was looking for some new army. I figured Elder will be really strong when they come out. Uh, so I should start start uh, gathering some craftwood elder, elder forces. Uh, but someone was selling Harlequin's army, and I figured, hey, they are supposed to be combining new products. Maybe I'll buy some Harlequin forces, and as soon as Heller hits, I will be able to supplement them. So the codex came out, and turns out that Harlequins are insanely OP. And uh, I can have some fun with them until they get nerfed. What so, a coincidence. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I figured I have a good good excuse because I played Harlequins uh, in the last tournament before the codex dropped. 
so I can claim ignorance and say, hey, I didn't know. I was just, I always love Harlequins. So uh, I'm planning to use this excuse a lot. Mm. Uh, I also, by complete accident, had 10 boats. So <laughs> when a colleague dropped, I just bought extra free. Uh, from all this, uh, I had it round around Warsaw buying from the local shops uh, all the boats they had. So, I mean, just free, but by, by coincidence, it was all that was left in the free shops that I visited. And uh, yeah, here you go. I have a tournament army, which is quite uh, quite decent. Quite and, decent. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's nice to play, yeah. but not against. Yeah, so, so just say. to be... So just to be just to be clear, because I I, I never mentioned that um, when I did the introduction. Um, so Misha played Harlequins, Eman played Tau, and Christian, whom we didn't manage to bring to the um, to the podcast, won the entire thing with Harlequins as well. So just you know, I, I needed to do that sort of justice to him. Now, Danny, something about you. So you played GSC in this tournament. Is that your main army? Is that the only army you've ever played? Um, I, I mean, I'm not quite sure. I've got an underdog story like Mihao has, as <laughs> you know, playing Harleys and loving Harleys. But uh, no, I mean, we we discussed it, didn't we, in January when I came on here to talk about Gene Steelers. I started with a lot of armies, but I never took any extra to a, a tournament. I've only ever taken Gene Steelers. Um, I started end of what uh, beginning of 2020. I took a Gene Steelers when it was 8th edition to a really bad RTT came last. Um, and then COVID hit, we had lockdowns. So I then cycled through different armies, but I never actually took them to a tournament until last year when we started up again. And this is where I am, unfortunately. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Uh, because, yeah, as I said, your performance at the tournament was stellar, uh, no matter what placing uh, it was but we'll we'll get there we'll get there in a moment so um right i think we can start uh by discussing what you brought and what uh or how the armies performed so how how, how your games uh, looked like and i'll start with danny um can you tell us because your list was mentioned I don't know if our listeners also listen to Frontline Gaming. I assume yes. So on Frontline Frontline Gaming, I I always when we have a tournament in Poland, I send them our stats and I send them the details of the tournament, and they pick their favorite to win the entire thing. So last Thursday when they were doing the Thursday show, they they picked your list as the one that is going to win the tournament. This didn't happen exactly, but you were undefeated. <laughs> So tell us, uh, what did you bring and, uh, you know, what changes have you made to the list to adjust to the current meta? <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> we can start by, um, yeah, so I changed my, when we last spoke, I was talking a lot about how bringing things like impassioned in industrial affinity and myriad cults is probably the way to go. And that was really great. It was working out fantastically until they dropped uh, Tau. And the problem with Tau is uh, everybody brings AFPs, which just unfortunately when you've got a fiber farmer save, your toughness three or toughness four one wound bodies just sort of melt. So I went back to the drawing board and I thought, right, well, what, what can we do that that we can try and counter this issue? 
And I thought instead of going for all out offense, we can maybe try and shift the codex a little bit and go for something a little bit more defensive focused. Because as we can see right now, the armies that win are the ones that just spam four plus invulnerables. Uh, so that's Tau Custodes, um, Harlequins, even Tyrannies to a certain extent. And the thing with that is, is that really takes a lot of um, output out of your opponent's army, if you could, especially if you can swing this dice roll quite hot during your game. So I thought, well, actually, if I bring something that I can throw on a 5-up Invulnerable save, a 5-up Film of Pain, then suddenly I'm playing into that trick as well. But I'm also bringing a bit more longevity in an army that doesn't naturally have it. So I've been thinking for a while now, I really love Aberrants. Uh, when the Codex first came out, I thought, actually, they're really bad. Um, they're really expensive for what they have. However, after playtesting some stuff um, and rethinking, I thought, yeah, why don't we just try 30 Aberrants with a 5-up Invulnerable and a 5-up Film of Pain and see how that works into all this AFP, AFP spam. Uh, and ultimately as well, it does really well into Custodies because it's all flat 3 damage and minus 1 damage on a damage 2 platform it, it is really good. So I tried that. It worked out really well in my last few tournaments, I think. I haven't lost in the, in a month and a half So in tournaments. So yeah, I built around this. I So yeah, I started out a list with 30 Aberrants, a pile of character support to make them better, uh, some acolytes and some bikes, mostly for doing objectives, as well as a bit more of a frontline pressure some gene stealers to be able to go turn one and try and charge and tie up things up and then um some ridge runners and ridge runners and everyone's asking me why are you taking ridge runners when you can take more neophytes uh but ultimately the issue that gene stealers have is we give away too many secondaries so it's really mm -hmm. if you take 30 30 aberrants that's 90 wounds you add in your acolytes that you need your 10 gene stealers you're looking at 150 points if you if everything dies if you then add in another 10 neophytes, 20 neophytes, 30 neophytes, you're reducing the amount your opponent has to kill to score maximum 15. So I thought, actually, that's not really valid. Uh, plus, neophytes are really CP hungry. So I decided, you know what, I'll try and add in um, some ridge runners. And then everyone's like, why are you not running mining lasers? And I'm like, flat three damage at strength six is really good. You throw in, um, I think it was a, did I add a spotter? I think it was a spotter auger, which removes the penalty for all cover, which of course in WTC terrains are full of it. And that allows them to hit against most armies on a three with the uh, blip. And yeah, it's quite a lot of support in fire. Plus it also takes focus away from either your aberrants or your, they shoot your aberrants and they're not killing your ridge runners. Uh, because you obviously you need a lot more firepower to kill them than they do to kill neophytes. So after quite a lot of different games and losing 20-0 to Misha and all these other things, I decided to quietly to, um, change my list quite a lot over the last few weeks, and this is where I've come. Yeah, it sounds like a ton of thinking has gone into that. So, uh, so yeah, congrats, because yeah. the result, results show that it, you know, it was worth it, and it's really well thought through. Now, uh, Eman, how about your list? Uh, tell us what you brought, what was the reasoning behind it, uh, have you been tweaking your list the same way as Danny has been, or uh, have you been playing this from the very beginning? Uh, so, so I have bring uh, Farsight friends uh, to, to the tournament. As, as far as I know, it is pretty, or maybe not a pretty standard, but but standard list with a, with a tweak. 
so it's basically two commanders, one in a crisis suit, one in enforcer, uh, two patrols, two patrols, of course, mm -hmm. uh, three uh, crisis uh, squads, uh, two identical uh, with five crises, each armed with two plasma guns and cyclic ion blaster, and one five crisis suit with uh, two AFPs each and a flamer. Uh, so this is like a backbone of, of the army. Uh, and uh, in addition to this, I have uh, two squads of crews, two, two small squads of crude hounds for the objective, of course. Uh, one squad of breachers in a devil fish, a uh, small squad of, of stealth suits for objective play and, and calling uh, one crazy suits uh, out of the reserves. Uh, and on top of that, uh, two uh, two broadsides in, in in one unit, right? So this is like a small uh, small tweak to to the pretty standard list. Uh, actually, my, my list evolved uh, through through uh, three uh, local tournaments, which which we have uh, in Krakow. Uh, I have started with uh, broadside heavy list. Uh, uh, with custom sept, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the the sept which uh, enables you to move almost everything before the battle, uh, and uh, mis giving missiles weapons, uh, ignoring all cover. Uh, it plays pretty well uh, on a tournament which uses less terrain than than WTC. Uh, then on the second tournament, I have used uh, tau sept list, also pretty standard with. Uh, with Shadow Sun, with uh, with Long Strike, still before the FAQ, uh, so so rather rather cheaty list uh, with bodyguards uh, hiding behind the wall to to uh, protect the Long Strike, uh, but this list seems to have too many rerolls. I, I was playing pretty slow with, with all those rerolls re given by the Shadow Sun and the, all, all their uh, special rules. So, so, so I was not able to finish all of my games, right? Then uh, on the pre-arena tournament, I have used actual, actual Farsight uh, to, to try it because I have never played with, with Farsight. Uh, and this list went pretty, uh, was, was actually pretty good, uh, but Farsight, it, it seems it's not shooting enough. It, it, it's, it, it fights well in close combat. I, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, he, he fights pre, pre, pretty well in close combat, but, but it's not shoot, shooting enough. So to the arena, I have decided to, to move through the, uh, to the, to the, through the Farsight trends with only one uh, close combat commander in an in enforcer battle suit, and the second one, uh, all shooty and tanky commander uh, increases suit with bagel hunting plate iridium uh, battle suit and so on. So one plus uh, save, four plus invulnerable save, and five plus ignoring wounds. And I, I guess uh, this this list performs pretty well. Yeah, sounds like there was no coincidence in, in your army choices and, and unit choices. So well done. Misha, how about your choices? Are you asking me how did I come up with this groundbreaking idea of bringing Knight Void Weavers? Well, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it took a genius, to be honest. No, uh, I mean, 
I will not talk about Void Weavers because they were obvious choice. Uh, you talked with uh, Typhus, we talked uh, with yeah. Vlad, so I think that no one is surprised about nine Void Weavers if you want to max out your, your Haldis list. Uh, I can tell you why I chose Light and the other points in the list. So my list was uh, yeah, Light Seraph. Uh, I had a uh, quite standard troop uh, yeah, Troopmaster. Uh, Shadow Seer with the Light Relic, which increased the range of the, of the aura. Uh, I had Solitaire, quite standard, Night Boats, uh, four units of troops with full loadout, without, uh, so all melee weapons and two fusions each, and uh, two Dev Jesters, one with this ridiculous uh, shooting of uh, 60s Explode to three additional hits and one uh, one roll changes to a, to a six, so four shots, four hits minimum. A second Dev Jester, which turn off uh, Ops uh, uh, Overwatch and uh, minus two to movement. Uh, yeah, and nine Void Weavers, obviously. Um, so I started playing with Hallis and I started testing Dark, which seemed, at least according to experts like Typhus, and I, you know, uh, I would be fool not to trust Typhus and Harlequins as a stronger <laughs> choice. Uh, but after some testing, I found out that players just don't do any damage. Uh, I tested units of 10, I tested units of five, and they hit like wet noodles. Without Troopmaster, Aura to roll all, all wounds, uh, the damage is just not there. They have damage from strats. They can do up to six mortals in, uh, in, in melee and up to six mortals in charge. Uh, but the charge does not affect vehicles or monsters, which uh, there's plenty of those in the current meta. And in Mela, uh, there need to be like 10 of them, which means they cannot fit in the boat. So uh, I, I couldn't rely on players. And with the testing, I saw how insane the damage from the Void Weavers is. So I figured it's better to max out on what the list is good at instead of trying to add some fun tricks with dying on death. Especially since you cannot use strats when fighting on death. So there is really no damage in it. So, you know, attacks with strength free just don't, don't bother anyone in this meta. Uh, nor Tau, no, uh, nor Castoris. All right, I have a question. And that is, I see, I'm looking at your list right now, and I see that there are two Skyweavers in that list. Did they do anything for you, or, or was that just a, a point filler? So I started testing without them, but uh, I was able to basically go through any list that I encountered, except Tau. Tau, uh, I played twice, and I lost 20-0 both times. Mm. First one was absolutely my fault. Uh, because I was testing how much Harleys can take and I just, you know, moved forward to to an open and got shot out. So I figured, okay, they cannot take the Tau shooting, uh, even in Dennis cover. So in theory, Tau hitting on fives. Uh, and the, the second time I was playing Pumba, uh, who started and was able to basically, sh again, destroy my list with his ignoring minus one to hit crisis suits and uh, other Tau fun stuff. Uh, so I started to build my list to be able to answer that. And bikes were part of it. First of all, 
as a cheap unit to screen out uh, screen out stealth suits, so he cannot drop his crisis bomb near me. Mm-hmm. Because crisis suits allow you to do an action, you set them up nine from your from your opponent's deployment. If you go first, you chain using drones the unit of crisis suits up to your deployment to get a good angle, and then you know kill a unit of voids, for example, ten uh, one. Uh, so if I put bikes, if I if I can redeploy bikes nine inches from uh, from stealth suits, they cannot do it, and I did it in the in my last game. Uh, in other games, there were cheap unit to throw in front to, to score my secondary. They were useful, they didn't do much, uh, but uh, I was okay with them, kind of. I, they are first thing to go to, to be gone from the list if I have to reduce to 2k. Yeah, that, that's what I thought as well. But okay, we'll we'll get to the to the nitty gritty of it in a moment because I I, I wanted us to talk about the games anyway. So um, to keep it short, I guess we'll we'll focus on the highlights of those games. So um, let's start with Danny. Uh, tell us about your first game. You know what happened there. I I, I guess you were playing Kranmer with his Harlequins, so a tough matchup at the very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. How and we know what the final result was because I spoiled it. Uh, but still, how did the game go? Uh, and yeah, tell us all about it. So um, I have a bit of a tradition that every time in a tournament I play um, um, Vital Intelligence, it's always against either Elves or Harlequins. Um, elves being Drukari, Harlequins or Crefworld. So obviously I, the first game was against Harleys on Vital Intelligence. Um, so this was actually a really difficult game. Uh, to be fair, they were all really difficult games, but... Uh, on Vital Intelligence with Harleys, when your list really doesn't have a lot of obsec, is quite punishing, I would say. Uh, but fortunately, he managed to go first. Um, rather than telling you what the actual uh, highlights are, I'll just tell you briefly what the game plan is um, for people listening on how to deal with Harleys. So my game plan going into this mission is A, deny primary points, uh, because that's really important in especially when he's going to be denying my primary points. I've got to make sure I can return the favor. Um, with the amount of um, mo- mobility that I do have with the deep strikes, I'm being able to deep strike on um, 3d6 with, with one squad of vibrance. Uh, bikes are really fast. I have quite a lot of mobility. So he went first, which was really good. Uh, he managed to push his um, bikes, obviously, onto some objectives. And the problem with that was is it really led him open to a very quick counterattack on my first turn. So he didn't put it on every objective. What he did was his one half essentially was out of six objectives, he had three. And this allowed me then to sort of use my fast units um, on the left-hand side, which was empty, like my bikes. I just put my bikes onto an objective behind uh, what they call crates, um, not crates, yeah, crates essentially. So he couldn't shoot me. If he had to shoot me, he had to come at a really awkward angle. And that was, this is, I think, one of the most beneficial things about WTC is the terrain allows you to do this and force your opponent into chokehold points that they necessarily do not want to be into. And this is what this list is built around, being able to do that. And I've done this in every single game. So, yeah, so the the entire strategy for me on this this game against Hallies was to a, put things onto objectives, but in such awkward angles that he has to come closer or into a really undesirable place to shoot me because especially nine void weavers 
that is where the most of his damage is, as Misha's told you. And so, yeah, so all I did was is I moved my units behind objectives, uh, behind terrain, wait for him to react, see what he does in his next turn, and then absolutely launch a counter strike towards him. And essentially, the way to win this matchup, I think, is to just touch as many Void Weavers. You don't have to kill them, but if you touch as many Void Weavers as possible, then they aren't going to shoot you. Oh, they aren't going to do much damage at all. So that is essentially what I did, is I used my Aberrants to touch and string along across as many Void Weavers. Um, I would then put them in such a way onto certain objectives that if he deployed and got out with his troops from his um, Star Weavers, he couldn't get onto objectives. So objective A, touch the Void Weavers. Objective B, um, charge and kill the, um, the Star Weavers to then get at his troops later on. Uh, the other objective was then to sort of try and bait the solitaire as much as possible. Uh, and what I tend to do is leave the abominant around uh, to protect my characters. As soon as he sends a solitaire to launch towards my characters, he's going to then counter charge because he's not really going to, unless he pops a no invuln, he's not really going to kill my abominant because he's very tanky. But because of his relic, it does allow him to do a lot of damage back. Uh, so basically, that's my sort of counterattack and just try and bait that solitaire out as soon as possible. Um, so, for example, I threw away my Primus once my bikers had done their single mind obsession. I let my Primus come out so we could try and take it and, and kill him. Uh, other than that, I used my Ridge Runners in very key positions that again forced his Void Weavers to come to shoot them. So that means in my first turn, I didn't really get to shoot them. But he then had to come and, yeah, as soon as he positioned them so he could shoot them, I then charged them with my aberrants. And I just got a lot of board control and a lot of space by doing a lot of these charges and touching units. Um, so you, make it sound, sorry, you make it sound like this was, I don't want to say one-sided, but like very much to your favor. And then when I look at the results, it was, what, 11-9 or something <laughs> like that? It sounds so, very draw-ish. So what uh, happened there? It is. It's a very. It's a very drawish. Uh, it's a very drawish matchup. That was very drawish. The other Harley's game was a lot way more in my favor. Um, but with this game, the problem is, is I give up a lot of a lot of secondary points. So I have, he has assassinate. He has no prisoners already. He, you know, he can take a lot of damage. Uh, it can give me a lot of damage into my units. He can kill characters so easily because they do not get a save. Um, and so I've got to be very careful about where the solitaire is at all points, where the troop master is at all points. And just these two characters can come and rinse my entire backfield. Uh, not just that, but eventually over time, the uh, Void Weavers do damage and they do hurt. And he did have bikes as well. And I needed to deal with bikes because I had Ridge Runners. So that was one extra turn of not being able to deal with Void Weavers. So whilst I, I got more on primary because I didn't let him get any primary points, he actually got more on secondaries than me. Um, and he was very cagey with how he positioned his Void Weavers, so I wasn't actually able to kill them. I was able to charge them and touch them, but this is sort of what was happening every turn. And the reason I did this as well is so he couldn't advance. So his uh, light allows you to advance and shoot, so it gives them a lot of mobility. But if you touch them, they can't fall back and advance. So that was another key reason why I had to touch them. But killing the Void Weavers when they've got a lot of invulnerable saves and they've got a lot of uh, dice, it was, I, I tried and I did and I just couldn't get through them. 
So instead, I had to change up my play and instead use my aberrance to just try and hold the um, objectives and just force him to fall back constantly, which meant that I didn't really kill as many as I wanted to. So my secondaries were a lot worse than his. All right. Sounds very intense. So, but again, you pulled off a win in the end. So that's the most important part. Now, um, Eman, your first game. So, so my first game was also against the clowns. and. It was also a hard game, right? Right, like all games against clowns are nowadays. Uh, but uh, actually, uh, the the player uh, Adrian, uh, which was, which which is very nice guy, and we talk a lot, uh, was not as experienced uh, as as Misha, uh, and he he actually enables me to do what what Misha uh, told not to allow stouts to do, right? So so basically, I ha I have. Uh, position my broadsides and and one squad of the crisis on the on the left flank, while I have put uh, start suits nine inches from from his deployment zone near one squad of the void weavers, right? And he repositioned. He, well, he he actually at the end didn't reposition any of his units, but but he think of it a uh, very long time. Uh, and basically, uh, I was able to, to drop my crisis bomb against one unit of Void Weavers, right? So, so of course, the, the key to, to this game was me actually beginning it. <laughs> and, and I believe uh, this, is, this is the key uh, with Tau against, against the clowns. Uh, so, uh, of course, we we didn't uh, we didn't uh, finish all the turns uh, because, as I said, we we have actually uh, talked a lot and and joke a lot, and then uh, it, it didn't give us enough time to to play the the full five rounds. Uh, so in 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 the end, I have won like twelve to eight, not, not a big victory. Uh, if we, we would play five rounds, I would probably lost. Uh, but I was also reckless when when I, I uh, spotted that uh, the time is is almost up. Uh, I have made many uh, reckless decisions that that enables me to score many points, but cost me a, a, a lot of units. But but it was like a conscious decision, because I knew that that the time is almost up. So very fun game, very intense game. Uh, it it went into my favor. Right, and it was 12 to 8? Uh, 12 to 8. 12 mm -hmm. to 8 against the least with uh, 13, 13 bolts. Yeah, a good score still. I mean, against Harlequins, any sort of win is a good win. Um, Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Misha, your first game. Yeah, I'm starting to think that I will be the villain in this podcast. So <laughs> I was definitely the villain in my first game. I was play I was the one playing Howdy's. Uh, I uh, so before the tournament, uh, I was supposed to play versus Blaine. We had a challenge, but Blaine decided to be to, to be a rep, uh, and I ended up without opponents. So I asked him for does anyone want to uh, pre game challenge? Uh, Wojtek uh, wrote to me that yeah, he would like to, but uh, you know, he he warned me that by the way, I played Drukari, so I always feel uneasy about challenging others. And I said, no, no, no problem, I play Halakins. And he was, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and the game I started, uh, Harlequins with the speed they have and light, so 22 inches movement, they can get the angles. Uh, 
I was able to shoot with two units of void weavers, you know, three, sorry, or three units of void weavers on two flanks. Uh, I killed his court first turn. I killed the raider with uh, grotesques. Uh, I did some wounds to other units of grotesques. Uh, he couldn't really respond yet because uh, he's uh, with one unit of void weavers, I was able to fire and fade. Uh, the second unit of, of Void Weavers uh, was in an awkward position for him to charge. If he tried, I would fall back six inches and he probably would, feel, would fail. So he just repositioned to be able to charge next turn. And uh, so I, get, I got more angles. I was even in my second turn, I was even more in the middle of the table. Again, I shot him. I did some damage, not critical yet, uh, although quite significant. <laughs> without losing practically a wound. Uh, his second turn, he tried to do some damage. He, he exploded here. So, you know, charges from units of uh, Incubi, from Draza. Uh, and then the, the second part of, uh, of how balanced Void Weavers are, uh, they, don't on, they are not only just super fast, they are not only super shooty, but five incubi and draza just bounced off them. He did like three wounds. Mm. Uh, and at this point, you know, my, my third turn, I basically the grass, him. basically. Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, I felt a bit dirty after this game. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I mean, that's the reason you brought the Harlequins uh, Harle to the tournament, right? balanced, yes. <laughs> Imagine a world where Draza just bounces off a unit. Holy shit! Yeah, that's yeah. fighting twice as well, right? So, so yeah. it was it was due to your invulnerable saves and a lot of rerolls, or they just unable to I, hit you? I mean, mix of both. Uh, I probably rolled over the over the average with my saves plus then rerolls, which are insane. The fact that Drazer has only five attacks uh, in in one activation, uh, so. Uh, he, uh, I think he missed two first time, which is kind of statistical because he hits on freeze, no rerolls. Uh, then we he wounded with all three, but I wasn't able to save them. Then the second turn he also missed with two. Uh, he again whiffed with one on the wound roll, rolling one to two, and uh, or, or one to one, I don't remember. Um, and I saved them both, so only one attack from Incubi went through. Ultimately, with damage free, uh, yeah, that 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 wasn't the other unit of Incubi managed to kill another boat, which I didn't use any rules on. So, but it was transport boat. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Incubi felt... noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but as I said, that was the whole reason why you brought the Harlequins in the first place. So I don't even understand why you feel felt bad afterwards. That you was know, the whole point. Uh, I didn't thought it would be that bad. Uh, because all I mean, you know, those balls died. I I was tabled by Tau twice, so I saw it happen. I always believed that Drukari also had the critical damage to do it. Uh, I was really very cautious with my play until I saw that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens when when you have uh, you know a very strong army and a skilled pilot. That's basically what it is anyway moving on uh danny you're a second game who uh, 
pick, you know, uh, what secondaries did you pick? My my second game was against Eman, who's also on this podcast. So this will be a crazy. We might have two different very opinions on this. So um, uh, yeah, Tau. The uh, second game is with Eman's Tau. Uh, obviously, the the obvious choices is not to the last with this because if crisis spike and you don't make your invulnerable saves on this mission, uh, especially with the, the terrain, the way the terrain was set, that I would lose a lot of points. So I believe I went R and D. I went Strangle, I think, or no, I went Brood Swarm because it was. I think I went Brood Swarm because it was Crisis, and I went with No Prisoners. So we had a point. I went first, um, and yeah, my in my list I put in I put in a um, a couple of extra bikes with grenade launchers and a buggy with a flamer, just for the town matchup to see if I can kill the drones in the screen. And then lovely demo charges at strength eight with the plus one damage can then start melting through crisis. So I moved, I, I had turn one, I moved up. My strategy was a simple push up with everything and hope that I get a, I managed to just touch as many crisis as possible. Only one can fall back and shoot. They can't shoot through drones in combat. So if I touch them correctly and force him to, limit what he can shoot then i can start pushing waves and waves and waves and and just essentially take the board and push him back so i got rid of his screens i i blew up i think two crisis in my shooting with my ridge runners i killed his drones um my average charged and in the entire game of moving forward and charging with 30 aberrants i didn't kill a single crisis after that so <laughs> It was an interesting game. Um, uh, credit where credit is due is worth. Eman did the right strategy in moving backwards and just plinking off wounds from aberrants. I think um, he made one mistake that if he hadn't, he would have won the game substantially. And I think that was around turn four where he moved back one more time. If he'd have just gone forward in turn four and flew over my crisis, and he flew his crisis off my aberrants and gone for every objective because it was a sticky objective mission. He would have won and there wasn't anything I could do with it. Um, it was just impossible for me to get through all them four, four ups. And I, yeah, I really whiffed a lot trying to kill them crisis. But yeah, the game plan was just to touch the crisis, which I continuously did, uh, keep my objectives by stringing back aberrants and uh, hiding acolytes, forcing his AFPs to have to target my crisis. Uh, my aberrants of wise they would then obviously next turn charge and keep charging and and taking the ground so that was my strategy in that Eman, did that strategy take you by surprise um no <laughs> actually actually not uh, but by seeing the 30 aberrants and and of course listening to uh, to the podcast uh, to actually your podcast uh, and the, the podcast uh, of uh, of uh, Polish uh, representation, uh, I, I knew that Danny will bring the uh, anti tau tailored list, right? <laughs> so 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 I knew that the two. I I haven't heard the Polish one, so I'm not quite sure what they've said or what secrets they're giving out. But <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> yeah, they they said that you know uh, that that you tried with uh, different list, and after the tau. Uh, enter the met the meta. Uh, some players, including you, uh, tried with with 
those thirty aberrants with five plus invulnerable safe and five plus uh, ignoring wounds, and this mm. is actually playing well against Tau, uh, which uh, which proved right, right? Uh, so, so 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 it was it was not that not, not a surprise for me, uh, but uh, of course. Uh, I have uh, maybe chosen a little bit wrongly the secondaries because I choose to the last. Uh, I choose assassination and I choose this weird uh, Tau quarters. Uh, and uh, I, of course, uh, as Danny said, scored the maximum points for to the last because he was unable to kill. Uh, any single squad of of, uh, of crisis. I scored only nine on assassination, uh, and uh, it was two uh, Danny. It was two models that that were left in Danny's army on the board after we finished the game. Right, two uh, heroes left. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, it was fun. Um, yeah, essentially because he took assassination, all I could do is push all of my characters to the back corner. Um, and again, like I said, with, with the Harlequins, if I touch you, you can't fall back in advance. So his Mont car really didn't come in massive effect because every crisis was either in his back corner. If they come close, I'll charge them so they can't. Even if I don't kill him or I don't do any damage, he still can't get to my characters. And I think that was the pivotal moment was where in turn four, he had a crisis squad that could maybe try and go for them. And he wasn't able to. And I think that's what won the game. Yeah, I think that's... Uh something that I've learned from you actually, Danny, uh, when playing against GSC, not to take assassination because it's actually very difficult to score. It's like this, this false, false friend, like taking up for the witch against thousand sons with, um, Terminator bricks. You take up for the witch, you think you're going to get a lot and you get almost none just because they are so resilient. It, 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 it seems to, well, very similar with your list or with your I, army and I assassination. I think in four games, I think four people took assassination and no one scored more than 10. Exactly. So, yeah. so. It's very much a bait. And um, like I say, if you play the army in such a way that you force your opponent to not be able to get to them, then it's a really good, it, it works out really well because that is the um, the issue with Gene Steelers is that you need a lot of characters and they are very squishy. But with the right play and, and smart movement, then you can actually really not allow your opponent to get there. Um, and if they do, they're giving up something else that you can then, as long as you recognize that they're giving up something else elsewhere, such as whether it's board presence or if it's they're um, making themselves weaker in another area and you facilitate on top of that, you take advantage, then it, it falls in more in your favor, I think. Right. But, but, but I, I get actually a moral victory against Danny's characters because I actually killed two of them in the close combat with crisis suit you, and one one of the characters killed was actually abominant <laughs> you you killed more characters in combat with your crisis you killed more <laughs> uh, uh, um aberrance in with your crisis and my about aberrance killed your crisis so <laughs> that was a weird game yeah we need to move on to to you know fit all the games into the or as many games as possible into the podcast so Misha, your next game against another oppressive army in the meta right now. So uh, Adeptus Custodes, tell us all about it. Yeah, uh, I'll be. I will try to be brief. Uh, turns out that Harlequin bows are really good. 
And on top of that, they have really good profile into Custody's bikes because uh, Shuriken Cannon is strength six, minus one, but minus two in, uh, minus three if I roll a six, uh, to wound. And the uh, Void Prism is strength 12, so wounding on twos. You can transfer only one unit. Uh, I did a quick math. Shooting from my army, which is 84 Shuriken Cannon shots, two Dev Jesters, including one shooty one, and 18 shots from Fire Prisms, on average kill nine bikes in, in one turn. Hmm. So uh, my opponents really have no game into me. Uh, what uh, what I did wrong in this game because it was uh, 55. My biggest mistake was taking assassination, thinking, I mean, getting arrogant at this point, thinking I'll just table him. And uh, he played really well with uh, stealing some of my objectives over the game and uh, keeping his bodyguards in a way I couldn't get to them with any Void Weaver balls. Uh, so his characters are safe from shooting. And again, my army does not have Mala. Solitaire and Troopmaster cannot kill his characters, uh, nor his bodyguard. So uh, when they try, they just bounced off and died. So uh, he kept 15 from, uh, he, I mean, I, I got zero from assassination. He was able to get some from primary, but it was a very one-sided game. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, so um, finally, an army to bringing into Castaldi's domination. Uh, yeah. Let's see how Tau did against Castaldi's. Eman, you also played against Castaldi's this round, right? Yes, I have played uh, against the Custodis in, in round three. And as, as uh, similar to Misha, it was very one-sided game. Uh, I have won 20 to zero, and that actually I have uh, tabled him in turn three. Uh, I, I started the game, I was able to bring the crisis bomb in turn one uh, and, you know, they, they just start coming at me. I was shooting at them, they charged at me, I was shooting at them and then they just left without any models left on the board. <laughs> so is this what this matchup generally looks like or was this this particular game? Uh, well, uh, the the player Camille uh, was uh, is uh, experienced player, but he his primary army, as far as I know, is Space Wolves, and he was playing only the fourth game with the Custodies. Uh, so, so he had he told me that, and uh, in my opinion, he just he was not using his defensive buffs correctly on correct units. So, so I was able to uh, bait him uh, to use uh, his defensive buffs, transhuman, and uh, deny the rerolls on some insignificant unit, and then just destroy the significant ones. So, so, so I assume that against the more experienced Custodis player, uh, it will be not so so an easy matchup. So, Danny, your turn. Uh... In your next game, I think you played the uh, the new kids on the block, so Eldari. Uh, how did that go? Um, actually, it was a 15-5, but it was pretty brutal for me. Um, Crawfords are a really bad matchup, and the reason why they're a really bad matchup is because Crawfords are very good at killing one unit, 
uh, per turn. They can throw everything into one unit and they will absolutely kill it. So that means one aberrant squad per turn is going to die because Doom is, they'll cast it bare minimum 10. Uh, even with my deny from anyone on the board, I'm never going to deny 10. You know, with all the extra sixes and things like that, they get guaranteed charges and things like that. So it's quite difficult to kill them. Uh, however, he did what I always advise not to do. Um, he had he had a lot of characters, so I decided to go with assassination. I found that, yeah, it was probably pivotal that if I keep my units sort of out of line of sight and back a little bit, he's going to have to be aggressive, so he's going to have to bring his characters out. So I can use that then to springboard things like my gene sealers that can go really fast to try and touch them and kill them. Uh, plus, I put my Sanctus into uh, Deep Strike so I could try and get a little bit of chip wounds off the characters. So essentially, my play uh, in this matchup was to be really patient, force him to come forward with all of his Deep Strike, hope I survive the initial burst uh, from the Striking Scorpions, and then countercharge him with everything that I've got out of line of sight. So that's what I did. I put uh, 10 Aberrants in the middle. Um, I used my bikes. Uh, well, I didn't use my bikes actually. He got turn one, and my bikes got destroyed by three night spinners, which was really fun. But I used my Ridgewoners to kill as many scatter bikes as possible. So once he only had one, two units left, I hid everything behind terrain. I let him have the board for one turn, forced him to come towards me, which he did with all of his melee, and then I countercharged with uh, three squads of Aberrants basically. And I lost an aberrant squad, two striking scorpions, but that was good because then my gene stealers could come and kill them. And once the striking scorpions, both squads were gone, as were his um, scatter bikes, it was just essentially use his wraith laws to just as spring charge up the board. So I charge from one objective with one squad of aberrants to, you know, uh, kill a wraith lord, use the extra movement from the charge to tag the next one. Once you kill one, you can then obviously consolidate and pile in towards the next one. And essentially over the, the next three turns, I had 20 aberrants that were just slowly moving up the board using charges to get an extra distance. And then uh, because I survived, managed to survive that initial onslaught by killing with the striking scorpions and killing them back, uh, the game was unfortunately won. And I just touched all of his night spinners so they can shoot me. And, and yeah, I ended up winning 15-5. Uh, however, if it, if he had managed to kill like two squads of aberrants with his striking scorpions and I didn't kill them back, there wasn't much I could do. It's just one of them matchups is a really bad one for me. Yeah, you, but you don't totally don't make it sound like one. <laughs> um, all I can say with a list like this is if you're really good with how to move and know where to go and your your target selection priority is all right you can do really well. But I think this is where maybe a lot of people fall short, especially with craft worlds. They see things like night spinners and like, right, I've got to kill them first. I've got to kill them first. And they ignore the important things like the um, uh, the, the scatter bikes or the striking scorpions. Um, so instead, I've had this game against Duda a couple of times. I've had this game against others. I've changed my strategy up and I, I focused on killing what is actually going to wipe me rather than and just take the night spinners as long as possible before I could get to them with charges, etc. Okay, so thanks for that insight. Um, Misha, your third game against yet another oppressive army in the meta, the Crasher Stampede. How did that go? Yeah, so I was terrified of this game. Uh, Crasher Stampede is one of these armies that can actually deal with Halakinism quite decisively. 
Uh, Typhus proved it in the Netherlands. Uh, he won 20-0 with Hallekens with his Crusher Stampede. And uh, I was playing versus opponent who was first at this point in the tournament. He, he won two games 20-0. Uh, plus, I had very bad memories with playing Crusher Stampede. I had three games into it, twice with sisters, once with old Harlequin's colleagues, and both times I was stabled 10, two or three. So I had this very, very bad notion of playing Crusher Stampede. Mm-hmm. And it grew to something bigger in my head than it actually is. So uh, he set up, I set up very defensively, trying to be beyond 30 inches from high guard. So uh, with Shadow Seer, I was out of range. Uh, and I knew that he has one unit can actually wipe two units of Void Weavers in 110, which is the Firant, uh, who can turn off advance. He is like a truck. Uh, I didn't don't know his profile exactly. I know he can do critical damage to my list, uh, after which I would not be able to do enough damage to recover and I would be tabled eventually by turn three probably. Uh, so I set up in a way that he was kind of baited to charge two units of Void Weavers, but I have the strat to move six inches with one unit of bikes, uh, with one unit of that was charged. So I knew that I will uh, move towards the high pyrant to block his charge into second unit of Void Weavers. Uh, what Tomek did, he, he won the first turn, but instead of moving this 32 inches with flight rounds, uh, he moved uh, with Harpy and charged me with Harpy and moved his fly round back into his deployment behind the ruin. Uh, and the other Harpy went to the objective uh, to the right in the middle of the table. So uh, the Harpy did not do enough damage, obviously. Uh, it does not ignore advance, it did some damage to the boat. Uh, so uh, I was able to move the boats uh, to when he charged them to, to block that. I think he was trying to touch two units so I could fall back and shoot with only one of them. I was managed to block it so I could then fall back and shoot with one of those units. So I had all three units operational. And so that was his first mistake that he did not charge with the fly round. The second mistake was that he hide him behind the ruin, but the way that the wing was visible. So I focused him down with uh, with my voids. I killed the harpies and did some damage to Swarm Lord. And basically that was the game. So uh, after that, uh, he charged me with uh, Dimacron. Uh, he bounced out from the voids, obviously. Uh, Obviously, he charged me. <laughs> I mean, that I think that's the story of the tournament. Things are just bouncing off the void weavers. Uh, uh, he swam not charged the sky weaver, which he killed, but then my next 10 troops killed him. Uh, on my first, and I also moved up uh, sky weaver transports with troop master and solitaire. So the next, I mean, Salter was not in the transport. He was just next to them. Just, he cannot go into transport. Uh, just to, to, to make it clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my second turn, I was able to do charges into both positions of high guards with those two characters, which killed some, tagged the rest. And that was basically the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which so, brings us to the end of day one. So everyone had played three games. And at this point, if I remember correct, correctly, we had 
in the top seven, six Harlequins and one Chaos Knights. I think this is what the tournament looked like after the first day. So, so definitely there were all seven Har Harlequin players in top ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but then something happened. So the second day came, and I guess all the Harlequin armies had to face each other or something because the final um, leaderboard looked, looked a little bit different. Still, um, since we were talking about Stampede, uh, Eman, I'll have you talk about pretty much playing the same list, the same opponent. How did you do? Uh, yes, I, I was. I was also uh, playing uh, Tomasz uh, at the start of the of the second day. Day, uh, I actually uh, deploy pretty aggressively uh, because I wanted to start the game and and shoot some uh, some hive guard and maybe uh, maybe one of the uh, monsters creatures. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I didn't start the game. I, I used my um, used my redeployment to to bring back the start suit from from uh, near his deployment zone. But unfortunately, one squad of the crisis, uh, this with AFPs, uh, stayed very close. Uh, so so he started the game. He moved. Uh, he, he didn't uh, make the same mistake twice as with Misha. So he moved his. Uh, fly around as far as he could, uh, which is really frightening because he started in his deployment zone and ends uh, at the very end of my deployment zone mm -hmm. and was able to charge the uh, crisis suits which, which were hiding in the corner of the board. <laughs> yeah, some people so, can do that. Yes, it was, it was quite scary. So uh, all uh, two units of, of hive, hive guards shoots uh, at my crisis suits with AFPs. Uh, they were able to. They they actually shoot them three times, uh, and were 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 able to reduce them to only one member. Uh, the flyrant uh, was able to kill all my drones and also two crisis suits from the second squad. Uh, but fortunately for me. Uh, I was able to heroically intervene and uh, with the crutes uh, and was able to pin him in place. Uh, so basically, it was that that sentence for him, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So so uh, so he stayed in in one place, was shot to pieces uh, into the the my first turn. I of of course bring uh, the crisis bomb, unfortunately, into my deployment zone. In the first turn, I was also able to to kill the Dima uh, with uh, the combination of breachers and and uh, commander and, and devilfish. Uh, so so basically, uh, I have uh, I also didn't make the same mistake as with uh, playing against Danny. So I have pushed to his deployment zone uh, as soon as possible. So so starting turn two. Uh, by the end of turn three, uh, I was able to kill every single uh, monstrous creature except the uh, Tervigon, which, which was hiding in his deployment zone. Uh, 
and, and and basically by the end of the turn five, I was able to to kill every single tyrannid on the on the board. Uh, I was a little bit lucky uh, in in uh, at the end of the game because the last uh, squad of hive guards shoot at my crisis suits without uh, without drones. Uh, he managed to to hit ten times, wounds ten times, and I saved eight out of ten. Ouch. And and then uh, because the, the, those crisis uh, was uh, under influence of sense of stone, I was able to uh, ignore half of the wounds caused by those two. I'm getting PTSD flashbacks from our game now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so, so so by the end of turn five, I, I have cleared the table, but it was very, very hard and intense game, very friendly game, of course, and I was able to uh, to win it, but only by the smallest of margins. So so I have won 11 to 9. Yeah, the, 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 your description of the game sounded like it was more one-sided, but this score doesn't reflect that very much. Uh, yes, yes, be, be, because, you know, uh, he, he was able to, to score... Uh, a lot of points by the primary uh, due to the fact that that he also pushed to my deployment zone at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Uh, fine. Danny, your fourth game was against, I would say, quite an, a surprising opponent. So it was against Dark Angels and not a typical Dark, Dark Angels list that you would expect. It was Grzeli with his crazy speeder list. How did that go? Yeah, up until this point, um, I was just thinking about listening to these two talkers at how they tabled all their opponents every every game. I was thinking, oh, that's that's really nice to play into. Um, but my so my opponent was um, Grzelik. So I played against Grzelik quite a few times now, um, and he plays a Dark Angels. It's a very cool list. It's a very annoying list. It's Dark Angels and it's purely uh, speeders with melters. So I think and it's plane. something like 32 melter shots in the army and they all have a 5-up invulnerable if they move. They can have a 4-up invulnerable if they advance. And um, there's a lot of mobility and there's a lot of threat saturation in that army. Um, and on the, However, they are all vehicles. They are, they are all um, uh, six wounds each. So it's perfect for, t for Aberrants who have got damage 3. So throughout this entire game, it's a very swingy thing. Does he do more damage to me with his melters or can I get into combat and start killing as many um, uh, speeders as possible? And on his, on his first turn, he, he blew up all my bikes. He blew up um, quite a lot of one unit of aberrants, which then led me to fill morale, which by the way, I filled morale on aberrants every single game. So <laughs> that is one limitation with this list. I'll tell you that uh, leadership seven is not cool. Um, but yeah, he killed quite a lot of aberrants. I think he killed five out of one um, uh, one squad because the terrain was not in my favor. I would say it was very. It wasn't really good terrain for this this kind of mission. So I didn't have a lot of places to hide. There was a big L on the back of my deployment, but that's not an ideal place to sit. So there wasn't really anywhere where I could go, and he. Had had two flyers uh, that deal with the mortal wounds. You know, it's, it's D3 shots and it's three flat three mortal wounds if they wound you on a strength 12. So I had that to deal with and it was quite a brutal turn from him. Uh, however, he went really aggressive and this is uh, a really big mistake from his end. 
because he had a lot, there was a lot of vehicles right near my deployment and it allowed me in my turn one to charge a lot of aberrants up the field quite quite aggressively so 20 aberrants uh charged speeders in either flank which then allowed me to take objectives off him i had to use all my ridges and ridges ridge runners unfortunately to kill his planes as well as using smites and everything little uh, that i can do whether it's a, the primus pistol and things like that just to try and kill as many as possible which i managed to kill what i think i got one down to one no i killed one and got one down uh pretty low and then the next time i killed it but what it allowed me to do because of this aggressive play is get a really big edge on my mobility my movement and kill quite a few speeders that put his melter shots of course back on the back burner um then i managed to use my pure strains to tie up uh, some more of his speeders because again they can fall back and shoot with one unit so i use my uh pure strains to move forward because he was so close clumped together that I killed one one speeder and then touched quite a few other squads so he could only fall back which meant uh, um, and shoot with one squad which meant that there was a lot less shooting against me next turn and because of this momentum I then just started moving up the board and Aberrants just smashed speeders left right and centre and yeah unfortunately it was just quite a, a substantial win for me towards the end at 16-4 I think. Yeah it does sound like 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 a theme now when you talk about your games you basically move your aberrants up close you charge and then you climb a ladder of units by just you know catching them into combat and not releasing them yeah this is exactly how i how it plays out it's not about killing your opponent because they're still aberrants uh yeah they, they have a lot of attacks um but it's most of your your damage and your um oppressiveness is in three squads and one of them is always going to start in deep strike usually because you need that extra space up the board towards the back end so a lot of it is using a movement charges to get across the board touch as many units as possible and then um once they've fallen back then start picking up units that you can charge and kill and then again use the, the extra movement that you get to wrap the next one or two units and and sort of really frustrate your opponent in that way and not let them shoot you or, or, or fight you. And that's the only way I, I see this sort of surviving because, yeah, the toughness, five minus one damage, three wounds, five up in vulnerable, five up in pain, but enough shots will put them down. As, yeah. And I've seen that I have lost most of them in most games. So you've got to be really clever, I think, with how you move and, and approach the game. Yeah, that, that's my conclusion as well. All right, moving on just to 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 fit as many as possible. Uh, Misha, how did your mirror game against Goggy go? Huh, it was a fast one because we took a split. Uh, <laughs> we really didn't want to, uh, but we I think we had both, both the same idea. Uh, the one that will push forward first will lose. So let's take defensive secondaries. Hero done his. I was still thinking about mine. I always, almost went for offensive one, but I, then I went, oh, hold on, let me rethink it. And I went with to the last quarters and uh, I think banners. And I felt one very similar to his. He also had to the last, he also had banners. Uh, and no, we, we both had bring it down. Anyway, with the same armies and the same secondaries, we figured this army, had, this game has absolutely zero sense. It will be 10 10 split anyway. So let's just rest uh, and be before the final game. So, so out of out of sheer curiosity, do you think starting means a lot in in a mirror matchup like this one, or not really? Um, 
it might be swingy because the one that will go second might explode in the last stand to steal more objectives and get edge on secondary this way. On the other hand, from the light perspective, so having better better mobility, in theory, I could get some angles turn one if I went first and try to commit two units of voice to kill one of his. But there's the thing, you need two units of voids to kill one, one unit. So it would be basically trade one for one with slight edge for the one who starts trading, but then the characters would fall into the equation and it would be just a blood buff. And it will be basically on dice who will come, on, come, come out on top of this. So um, yeah, I think that going second would have slight advantage, but not a big one. Okay, then we might as well go and just conclude with your final game. It was against Druzik, I think. So Tau, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, so this one was tough. Uh, going to the game, uh, I thought I'm fighting for the first place. Uh, so I was really, uh, really tensed. Uh, and also being tabled twice by Tau, I thought I learned my lesson. So first thing was blocking his uh, his dirty trick with uh, with deep striking turn one, uh, and also the lesson I learned from my previous games was that Tau is too tough even for my shooting. Uh, I just cannot kill the crisis suits with my even with my profiles, which seem really good. Uh, so. I knew I have to play the mission. I need to deny his secondaries. He does not have much OPSEC. And so, so how the game went? My opponent went first. Uh, since I blocked his, uh, I had to redeploy to make sure that even if he drops his uh, crisis suits, he cannot get an angle to shoot my boats. Uh, so he didn't. Uh, he basically put his OPSEC on objectives and didn't do much else. He didn't shoot, he stayed in his, uh, behind his ruins in his deployment. So my turn one, I moved up the board, but not too much. Still afraid of his deep strike and just trying to clear as many objectives as I could from the, from the trash units he had. Uh, his turn two, he still didn't respond. He still didn't explode on me with the damage. He still was playing very KG. So uh, my turn two, I basically, since I moved up my boat with, uh, and my solitaire to, to the middle of the table, I was able to explode, but not with Void Weavers, like I did in the previous games. I did it with troops. So I charged all his crisis suits, either through the wall, or charged a unit next to them and just tagged them. In effect, uh, all he could shoot his turn was the units that were in melee, or nothing because it was through the wall. Hmm. Uh, and basically he couldn't recover after that. He was clearing what was touching him. More stuff started to touch him and he just couldn't score primary or secondaries for that matter, uh, which was stranglehold. And uh, I forgot what was the second one. Uh, I wasn't too big on my secondaries either because I wanted psychic interrogation, which I could score only three times because uh, I was out of range. He was keeping his characters very much in the back of his deployment zone. 
uh, and I couldn't score much on uh, no prisoners because I couldn't get his suits. Uh, you know, even charging Solitaire and Troopmaster into his commander who allows fallback and shoot, which was plan number one, did not went well because I couldn't kill him. Uh, as I said, Halakins do not hit hard in Nala. Uh, so the, the game ended with him having no primary points, uh, but also not killing much and uh, still having almost all his prizes seals. I think I killed only one unit of uh, of crisis. Uh, beyond that, he had still two units of bodyguards, both commanders. No, so one, one commander he lost, and uh, a few units of crisis. So uh, yeah, playing objective, playing the mission. And it ended with something like seventeen three. I think. Yeah, it was seventeen three. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Okay, Emon, your final game against. The the army that was that had the biggest presence on the, at the tournament, so Necrons. How yes. does Tau play into Necrons? Yes, that that that's correct. So so uh, it was the game against Seraph. Uh, Seraph is, is our local track of player, and we played a lot, but not against Tau, right? Uh, we we played a lot against my Blood Angels. Uh, and that was always like a very even game going uh, uh, sometimes to my favor and sometimes to Seraph. But against the Tau, it's it's, it's a completely diff different story. Uh, I have deployed aggressively uh, to to be able to, to get as much as possible points for, for scoring primary. Uh, he he actually uh, deployed defensively. And, and after he rolled, uh, his uh, hero better uh, for the for the starting of the game, and he actually uh, won that role. Uh, he he made the the biggest mistake of this game <laughs> because he didn't went all in, right? Uh, he he should have uh, moved all of his units and tried to uh, do as much damage as possible to 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 my army, which was as I said deployed aggressively. Instead. Uh, he moved only one unit of his bikes to shoot some crudes. Uh, he moved forward with his uh, with his uh, close comp with, with his two close combat units of rights, uh, but that was all. Uh, the the rest of his army uh, was keep he he kept hidden in his deployment zone. So so basically, I have destroyed him piece by piece. I have destroyed the, destroyed the the first wave that then moved forward. Uh, then he moved with his uh, with his uh, heavy destroyers and another unit of bikes. Tried to shoot my crisis suits. Uh, I, I made some smart saves uh, and basically uh, took the shooting from from bikes on the crisis to to have my drones uh, available when the heavy guns will will fire. And so I only lost like a one or two crisis suits against them. Then I destroy his second wave. And and like uh, by the end of turn two, uh, he decided that he had enough, and he was he won't be able to to score almost anything, uh, and he gave up. So it was like a very quick game with almost all of his army destroyed by turn two. Yeah, and you could hear the lamentation of his robot women. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. So, so that was a short one. Um, Danny, how about yours? Uh, you played another Harlequin army, I guess. Yeah, I had a really easy, obviously, a really easy run in the entire tournament with two Harlequins, a Craftworld, a Tau, and then a, a Melter Spam Dark Angels. Um, so, yeah, so mine was Craftworlds on the Scar run, which was quite a. There's two maps that I never want to play Harlequins on. One is um, uh, Vital Intelligence, and then one is the Skyrim because there's no pre game moves. So that really limits what I can do in terms of my game plan. Uh, the guy was, he was a really nice player, um, and he was excited for the game, which was really, uh, if, um, yeah, it was very nice to see. However, he, lo he made two really big mistakes, which lost him the game, unfortunately. So I decided to take a more. Uh, so after my first game with Harlequins, I thought, right, I I've taken the wrong secondaries, which is why I scored 11-9, because I just couldn't get enough. Um, one of the mistakes was trying to take Bring It Down uh, instead of Assassination, because Harlequins want to be in your face with the characters and try and do as much damage with them, I find. So if you take two Smash Troopmasters uh, and a Solitaire, then you can do a quite a lot of damage. Uh, with them and so of course they want to be in your face with my army it's purely almost melee so it's an easy 10 points for me because i'm going to kill them so he made two mistakes right the first mistake was he picked two secondaries that required to be in my deployment zone uh which was a really big mistake because i'm i i have units that can just sit there and if I know that that's his game plan, I don't have to be on the front foot and push all the way forward. I can just be patient and just deny him these points, basically. He hasn't got a lot of units to trade with. So if I can kill some of these units and force him to have to uh, you know, limit how much he can score, then I will. So yeah, so I, I went first So and I had no pregame move. So what I had to do was is basically I sat two squads of aberrants behind terrain. One was in the middle as a bit of a bait because uh, I had that objective. He isn't going to take it with troops. Um, so he needs to come more commit and, and try and kill my void weavers. Uh, try and kill my aberrants with his void weavers. I also had a unit of um, bikes behind a big L so he couldn't shoot them without coming all the way forward because he, he couldn't charge them with um, troops either the way he deployed. So he had to come towards them with the Void Weavers, which meant that he had to really overextend, which brought them a lot closer to my other Aberrants. And then I had a squad of Aberrants um, on the right-hand side, which again, behind crates, he has to come to me um, to shoot them to a really unfavorable position. So I basically threw out a lot of bait for him to try and take. Uh, and I took Stranglehold as well. So I, had, I was comfy just sitting there, having three objectives and not going too far. Um, unfortunately, he did take the bait, and what he did was, in my turn one, I just hid. In his turn one, he pulled all nine of his Void Weavers close to me to shoot me. Uh, he also brought his Shadow Seer um, out from the, his protection behind a big L right into the open behind these uh, boats, and quite obviously, he thought that that would make it safe. And I expected this, and what I did was is I put a Sanctus into Deep Strike, um, rather than leaving him on the board because I wanted that shadow set to come out, expose herself, and then I'll explain what I did. 
Um, but yeah, he had nine void weavers all in the open, all trying to shoot my aberrants. And I only gave him one squad of aberrants to shoot, but only one of them was on the terrain. So once he killed one, I'm going to pull that away. So three, six of the void weavers didn't really do much. He also sent his solitaire um, to the aberrants and the crates. And I, I expected this. I left the abominant behind a big L, which was within charge and distance, move and charge and distance of these aberrants when the solitaire comes. Um, and he missed massively undervalued, uh, overestimated the solitaire's ability to kill 30 wounds of minus one damage, five up invulnerable, five up feeling of pain. So we charged the solitaire and he killed maybe four um, aberrants with that and some shooting for some troops. And they, uh, from a star weaver that would shot as well with their melters and all that. Um, and then what I did, and because he brought forward and he was so aggressive, it allowed me to outflank him from behind with 30 aberrants, uh, use my gene stealers to get around him and touch as many void weavers as possible. But it also allowed my Sanctus to jump behind with neophytes, create an exposed position and use a stratagem to turn off all auras. So what he did was he's, he put up a feel no pain aura on his on his um, shadow set to give everything a feel no pain. Uh, obviously minus one to wound and minus six inches to range and my sanctus just popped up shot him did a mortal wound so automatically i can use a strat uh beat i beat his le leadership on three dice and turned off all auras uh which then allowed all of my ridge runners to just unleash hell with their flat three damage at this point i'm giving exposed with my uh sanctus so they're now wounding on twos because they're all strength six i'm ignoring the dense cover so he's giving a minus one the hitting on fours um at this point, I I then de also deep striked 10 aberrants behind with a 3d6 charge, but I positioned it so that he miraculously had uh, void weavers in the middle, void weavers on the right, and a star weaver on the on the left to be charged. Uh, of course, one of them is going to move six inches, uh, but I've still got an eight-inch charge into two other targets uh, on a 3d6. Uh, so essentially, on his first turn, his second turn. He lost on my second turn. Sorry, he lost his shadow. Um, he lost his death jester, of course, because he was in the middle uh, in one of the star, uh, star weavers. So he could shoot two of my. Oh, so another thing I did was is I positioned acolytes behind a little ruin that gave essentially gave offset to my bikes. So even if he got troops on there somehow, I still had offset because there was acolytes behind uh, the the ruin. Uh, and another reason why I did this is because I wanted to pull out some more of his boats, especially the um, Death Jester, out of hiding so I could then slap him back in my next turn. Um, and he took all this bait. And yeah, I, I think in that turn, he lost his Death Jester. He lost 10 troops, his Shadow Seer. He lost two boats. Um, he lost his uh, Solitaire. And he lost seven Void Weavers all in one turn because he bit the you know, took the bait, pushed everything into the middle, and I just slapped him back really bit, really hardly. Um, I also used things like my um, uh, bikes to charge and touch the other seven, that uh, the other three Void Weavers uh, that were on the left that were trying to take the objective, and the troop uh, Star Weaver, so they couldn't advance and get into my characters because um, that as well. And, and basically, it was game over from there on. Uh, there was no way he could win that game. There was no way he could pull it back. Uh, next turn, I would have t uh, tabled him absolutely. All right. So basically, it sounds like a like an intense game, but yet another one where uh, you weren't able to score something like twenty zero. 
I think we, yeah, if I remember correctly, we discussed this at some point during the tournament that GSC isn't just able to pull this off. Is that correct? Um, the, the problem is, is GSC gives up too many uh, secondaries for your opponents. You're either going to give up a lot for bring it down or you're going to give up a lot for no prisoners. Uh, so already they're guaranteed almost 15 on, on something like that. But as well as a lot of armies right now do not give up a lot of secondaries themselves. Look at Harlequins, they, um, Custodies, they don't really give up anything themselves. So it, it's hard to get a 20-0 there. Um, Harlequins, you can take, bring it down, but you're gonna, not many people is gonna, can, are able to kill that many Void Weavers, you know? Um, Tau, yeah, you can take non-prisoners, but like I proved with Eman, sometimes the dice aren't in your favor and you can't kill enough to max it out. So a lot of armies are hard to get max secondaries into, but GSD are really easy to give them up. So it's really hard to get the 20 zeros. Okay. I can get the five wins, absolutely, but I can't get the 20 zeros, and that's what cost me, I think, the tournament. Fair enough. Okay, guys, we, I, I want to bring it to a close because we it's been very informative, but also like time-intensive. Uh, still, I, I won't let you go without asking the two questions that I have left. One is, what are your ambitions for the future? Do you intend to keep playing with the armies that you've played here, or do you want to change something? And is there anything specifically that you want to achieve this season, for example? Eman, I'll start with you. Uh, so, so the the first question, uh, if I want to change something, definitely, definitely. I, I do foresee that with the upcoming new codex of Tyranids and then both Knight codexes, uh, the Tau will need to move uh, towards the more broad sides. Uh, so, so, so maybe uh, I will lose one units of Crisis to to put more more broad sides into the list. But, but we, we will see. Uh, for for the, the closed future, uh, I will definitely try to do something with the AFP crisis because they were the poorest performance in, in my the, my whole army actually. Uh, and as for the for the tournament's goal for this year, <laughs> I, I will try to attend them. Uh, maybe even uh, some tournaments outside of. Krakow and the, the near area of Krakow. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Misha, same questions to you. So any changes to the army and to what's your ambition for this season? I mean, I think that this army will be gone soon as a list because they need to do something for the years, especially after what happened in States. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah, so probably changes will be necessary. The problem with Harlequins is that Void Weavers are the only source of damage in the army. So if they cut out this piece, the army will struggle. Uh, I think I will move to Craft Worlds or come back to Sisters and be an underdog in the meta. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'll still be joining tournaments. Uh, there is a team tournament in Warsaw coming in June. Uh, so yeah, I'll be around. Okay. Danny? Um... Yeah, I'm not going to change army, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and I will obviously keep going, um, playing different tournaments. So there's not really much I can say to this one, to be honest with you. I'll just keep, yeah, keep going to tournaments, trying to rank, get as high as possible in Poland, and honestly just drive this army 
uh, up its win percentages in the global meta. To Do you think the army has the WTC potential? Uh, yeah, so this is the thing, right? Um, originally, I built this army to, ta to tackle custodians and tyrannids because everybody's playing them at the minute. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't manage to go and beat them or play against them. However, I did manage to get a win against armies that I didn't think I could. Uh, not because I counted them, but mostly because using the, what the army has uh, to sort of, I would say I outplayed most of them games. Um, Emmanuel was probably the hardest game I would say I had, but the other four, there was definitely a lot of outplay potential that I put in and I managed to do that with a, an underdog army. So I think, yeah, it, depending on what Tyranids comes out, I think there's definitely play to be able to counter these sort of monster vehicle uh, armies with Aberrants or uh, other things that I've got in the Codex. And I've got a few other lists that I've not tested or tried out yet that I think are going to do really well. So we'll see what happens with the meta. It all depends on Chaos, Space Marines and Knights, I think. Because I definitely have play into Knights with Aberrants, um, you know, with all the flat free damage and uh, re-roll wounds against vehicles and stuff. So I think so. So we'll see. Okay, great. Uh, last question, very last question that I always like to ask the, the top players at tournaments. Guys, do you have any piece of advice for people who want to do better in tournaments like myself, for example? Eman, I'll start with you. Um, I, I don't know if I am the best person to, to ask the, such question. <laughs> well, you came second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so maybe a, a, a trivial one. You know, you just need to practice. <laughs> need the reps, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Misha, anything from you? Yeah, 13 bolts do work really well. Pelicans, yeah, try that. <laughs> uh beyond that uh practice uh, analyze your games ask your opponent what you could do better but first to just don't leave your games like without a thought after your game sit think what ha what went well what didn't very often during the game you don't see it think hard about it think what you could have done differently i often find uh games even if i table my opponent i try to think about what he could have done to change it and after a day, I figure, okay, so he could do A, B, C, D to, to change the outcome. So, uh, yeah, do that. Yeah, have a proper think after the game. That's a good piece of advice. Uh, Danny, same question to you. And we'll um, yeah, so what, I, what I've noticed, uh, not just in Poland, but obviously I play in a lot of TTS um, tournaments in the US and the UK, is as codexes are coming out and they're getting more stronger, people are moving away from playing the mission and start playing into the power of their codexes. And the reason why I've been winning a lot recently is because my army can't do that. They have to play the mission. And a lot of opponents don't, they focus more on playing into trying to table their opponent and they're ignoring the primary or they're thinking less about the primary, more about the power. And my advice is, is to don't do that. Focus primarily, primarily on the mission. Focus on only killing the units first that counter the strength of your army. So for example, I am um, my armies are always infantry. So I focus on removing anti-infantry stuff and then just playing the mission. And if people did that more, I think they would win more and they would start improving as a player rather than seeing red and thinking, oh, I'm gonna table my opponent because I'm so my arm is so strong. Um, and I, for me, that is exactly where a lot of people are going wrong. Okay, 
again, a sound piece of advice. So thanks for that. Guys, uh, I'll bring the episode to a close. So thanks a lot for joining me. Thanks a lot for this ride. And thanks a lot for all the insight that you've provided us with. Uh, hopefully, some, you know, our listeners will, will uh, take or learn something from you and from your stories. So thanks a lot. And I wish you all the best for the future. It's been uh, a pleasure. Now, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, now, thank you very much. And with that, I guess it is until next time. Bye, everyone.